Hello, Monetization Nation. Travis Chapel is a podcasting consultant, professional connector, author, and international speaker. He is the creator and host of Build Your Network with 1.5 million downloads and almost 600 episodes. Travis has been featured in publications such as Forbes, Entrepreneur, and NASDAQ, and he's appeared as a guest on more than 50 shows such as Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. In today's episode, Travis shares his journey to become a successful podcaster and entrepreneur. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. What's up, Nathan? Thanks for having me. So to start off, can you just share with us something that you are super passionate about? Oh, sure. I'm passionate about my horrible golf game. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I have to caveat it because I feel like it would mislead people if I just left it at golf because that would imply that I'm good at it and I'm not. Uh, But I am passionate about uh, taking on purpose time out of my schedule to unplug and get my mind focused on something other than business. And, uh, my, my golf outings are one of those, one of those things that I make sure that I do, uh, to, to kind of unplug and, and think about something different for a little bit. Love it. Can you share with us your story, your journey to become an amazing entrepreneur and, and podcaster? Sure. So kind of high level, um, you know, story for me is grew up in a pretty strict religious household. Uh, uh, just to give you an idea, a little bit of context, I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade, high school and college on the same campus. So um, it was also the campus I went to church on. So quite literally seven days a week, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday, we had something called soul winning, which is basically like door-to-door sales for the church, but on a volunteer basis. And, uh, so pretty much every day of my life for, you know, the time I was three until the time I was 22 was lived on this one campus. And so I grew up in a bubble of sorts and, uh, the college that I went to, which was on the church campus, it was kind of, it was like its own, like, uh, people in the community called it the compound because it was its own little city. You know, there's like six, 7,000 members of the church, um, a thousand students in the college. When I was going there, it's a lot smaller now. Um, and then I don't know three to maybe 500 students K through 12, um, on the school there. Um, so it was literally like its own little ecosystem. And, uh, in that ecosystem, everybody pushes you to go into full-time ministry when, when you grow up. And so that was kind of the path for me. And that's what I ended up going to school for. It was a purely ministerial college. I got a degree in Bible and church ministries, double majored. Um, and I was going to be, uh, in ministry full-time, but what ended up happening is at the, um, my senior year, I was getting ready to graduate and, and go out and finally do this thing that I'd been prepping for since I was like 12 years old. And I started to realize that I didn't want to do it. And it wasn't really something that I felt a pull to doing. And it was honestly something that I was like, not looking forward to. And uh, I ended up making the decision to not go into ministry, but because it was uh, something that was really kind of looked down upon in those circles, I just kind of kept it to myself and, and stayed 
kind of introverted about it. And we um, ended up getting married and uh, my wife and I moved up to Fresno. So I grew up in Southern California, moved up to Fresno um, just so I could tell everybody that I was working at a church up there. Would, in reality, I wasn't really working there. I was just going there. Um, but I, I just felt like I had to get out of the, you know, the bubble that I, that I grew up in to, um, you know, at the time I wouldn't have said it this way, but it really was a time for me to get to know myself because I had grown up in that, in that environment. And I was really nothing but a product of the environment that I grew up in, which is true for most people. And so I, I kind of took a little bit of time to try to get to know me and get to know what it was that I wanted to do next. And um, at the time I was married, we just bought a house. I didn't, I, I didn't have the ability to just move back into my parents' house after I finished college. Uh, I, you know, I had bills to pay and, and a wife to provide for and all that good stuff. So I did the only thing that I knew how to do, which was door-to-door sales, because that was what I did in college. And so I kind of just rested on door-to-door sales, hundred percent commission, just door to door to door. I did that for a couple of years and uh, got to the point where, um, you know, it, it went pretty well in terms of, in terms of money and made six figures at, at 22 years old, knocking doors, you know, full time. Uh, but I quickly realized that it was something that I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. And when I looked in the future at 32 year old Travis, I knew that that's not something that I wanted to be doing anymore. Not because I looked down on the industry at all. I have lots of friends who make really great money doing door to door for their whole career. It just wasn't what I wanted. And, uh, so that's when I kind of took a detour. And at that point I was lost, man. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know, knew that I didn't want to be a ministry, which is the thing I had my degree in. It was an unaccredited degree, by the way, which made it even more difficult to, you know, turn into actual job. Um, and then I figured out the only thing I was good at, I didn't want to do anymore anyway, which is door-to-door sales. So like no more door-to-door, no more ministry. What do I do now? And I, for the first time in my life was just kind of forced to jump into personal development and figure out what that new path was going to be. And that's when I started listening to podcasts for the first time and figured out, oh, this kind of seems like an interesting path. And uh, started my show a few years ago and been rocking and rolling ever ever since. And uh, you know, everything that we've created since then has been as a direct result of something that we've learned through building the audience with the podcast. Yeah, rocking and rolling is a is a big understatement. Can you share with us a few of the success metrics from your show? Uh, sure. So we've uh, got over one and a half million downloads now. Uh, we're coming up on 600 episodes. Um, and then kind of, I mean, I guess you could call it a claim to fame within this certain industry and, and space would be that we just have been able to bring on a all-star cast of guests uh, that are the best known people in the entrepreneurial online content space. Um, and uh, so that really became our, our kind of our, like I said, our, our, our claim to fame was um, being able to talk to as many amazing people as we've, as, as, as we've been able to bring on the show. And, and that's ultimately the reason that we created the software platform that we built was people kept asking how we're able to book this person, how we're able to book that person. And, you know, the answer was a lot of hard work and a lot of persistence over a long period of time, but that's not a sexy answer. You know what I mean? So um, uh, we basically went to work and asked, uh, how could we make this more accessible for people that don't have the same amount of time that I had to dedicate to this at the beginning? And that's how we came up with Guestio. So yeah, that was, that was a huge driver of uh, creating the software. Okay, so let's talk about Guestio, the, the software, this platform that you've created. That's how you and I were connected initially. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about um, 
about what it does and and uh, the benefits that that uh, show owners or podcasters can receive from using it. Yeah, sure. So the core, at its core, Guestio is built to access the inaccessible. That's really what it's built for. Is you know some people it just it takes. If you can get a hold of them, it might be six, seven, eight months after you initially tried. Um, and then you get through, but you don't get through to them. You get through to their gatekeeper and then they give you the runaround. And then, you know, like I, I just, I was chasing people around for months on end, sometimes years on end, trying to get them to be booked on my show. And I was just like, man, there's gotta be a, a better way to do this. There's gotta be an easier way to book people. And so to book people to understand how to make it easier, you have to understand what the other party wants. And that's the thing that most people skip over. They think only about themselves and they, that's when people start getting all hurt and offended when somebody says no to them uh, for like a podcast interview or something like that is when, is when they're in that headspace. And I, I was never really in that headspace. Like when people said no to me, it was just kind of like, okay, well not yet. You know what I mean? Cause if I get, if my show gets big enough, I can get anybody that I want virtually on my show, right? That's the nature of having a big show. That's why Jimmy Fallon can get any guest in the world to come up here on his show because he has the viewership and the attention and the credibility uh, that makes his show worth an appearance from the top people in the entire world. Same with Oprah, same with Ellen. Like these are people who understand this on a really, really deep level. And uh, so the software was basically built as a way to access those inaccessible people to make it to where instead of chasing somebody down for six months to nail down a 15 minute interview segment, potentially, maybe if you can get a hold of them and if their gatekeeper lets you through, now you can go to Guestio and pay 300 bucks and interview them tomorrow. You know what I mean? So it takes, it makes the inaccessible accessible and it turns it from a maybe in the future to a yes, hundred percent right now, let's do it. Um, and so it gives people that speed and efficiency to be able to increase the credibility in their shows and create better content and have better interviews, which is something everybody wants. Yeah. Uh, and I love the platform. I've used it and I've booked more than a dozen uh, podcast guests so far, and I, I plan to use it many, many more times in the future. Okay. So you've been through a lot of transitions in your life, right? You transitioned from, from wanting to be a, a minister or, or planning to be a minister to, to being a door-to-door salesman, from being a door-to-door salesman, you transition to being a podcast host. And you're now going through another transition where you're becoming the owner of a SaaS software product or a digital platform, however you look at it. Um, talk to me about that transition for you. The software one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's been a lot of transitions and you know, I, I, I feel like I'm one of those people that just, I, I, I don't know sometimes what the next step is going to be, but I know what the next step is not going to be, which forces me to pick a different direction. You know what I'm saying? So like when I was in ministry, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I didn't want to be in ministry, you know? So I just kind of rested on door to door and did that for a while. And it was like, well, I, now I know I don't want to be a door to door, but I don't know what I'm going to do next. So let's try out this next thing. And in the absence of clarity, take action has always been the mantra. So it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do, but doing nothing isn't going to get me there. So may as well try something. And, uh, you know, you kind of just fail your way into figuring out what the next step's going to be. And with software, it was no different, except for this time, it was just a lot bigger risk and a little bit more of a, uh, like I was, I was biting off, you know, a good amount. I don't know if I would say that I bit off more than I could chew, but it was pretty close to that. You know, it was a mouthful for sure. Um, and it, it, it was something that, what was a big risk for us. And, and honestly still is, but 
Um, I just believe in the concept, believe in the core concept of the, of the company and, you know, doing software is just like anything else that I've done. Everything that I've done, everything I've ever, you know, had uh, the slightest bit of success in has been pretty unconventional. And, uh, but the process is the same, the same either way. It's get around the people who are doing it at the highest level and learn what I don't know and then implement those things. And if somebody figured it out once, then I can figure it out. It's not, it's, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm not, I'm not in like pioneering space travel. You know what I mean? It's, it's running a software company and it's not easy. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's a, it's a long treacherous road uh, at some points, but somebody else has figured it out. A lot of people have navigated that road successfully. All I got to do is go get the map from them and, uh, and then retrace those steps and then kind of add my own little, you know, spin in on it. So, you know, software has definitely been one of the bigger learning curves because it's a completely different industry and I don't have a background in coding or, uh, or software engineering or any of those things. I'm just a sales guy that likes to, you know, make ideas come to life, I guess. And so that's, that's what we've kind of been rock and rolling with in that sense. So, um, hopefully, hopefully we're sitting here in five years and it ends up being a really good story, uh, of, of success and stuff and not a, not a story of failure, but you know, that's part of the process is of being an entrepreneur is, uh, taking risks, acting on ideas and finding the one that resonates with a larger group of people. And I think we found that with the software, which is, which is why we're continuing to push it forward as much as we are. I love that you are, that you have the mindset of finding somebody who knows what they're doing and getting their help to mentor you. So many entrepreneurs and so many people, they just try to figure it out themselves. And, and when they can't figure it out themselves, or they try to figure out themselves and it just doesn't go where they want it to go, they give up. And that's such an important step that, that you've, you've taught about here. Uh, when we hit a roadblock or when we're trying something new, it can save us so much time to just go to someone who's already been there, done that, who's, who's already gone down the path that we're about to go down and they've been successful at it and get them to just help us avoid those mistakes and help us give the little, help give us the little tips and advice that, that'll help us be so much more successful than if we tried to do it on our own. Yeah. And I mean, really just comes down to understanding the data, Nathan, and, and, and looking at the statistics and just saying, you know, understanding, forget the exact number, but you know, 90% of businesses go out of business within three years. And then, and then of the 10% that survive, like 50 or 60% of them go out of business within five years or just crazy statistics on the attrition rate and the success rate of what it takes to be a successful business owner and entrepreneur. And when you understand the risk that goes into it and understand, okay, so if I'm going to put six figures of my own money, or let's just say a smaller number, right? Let's, let's say I'm, I'm going to put 10 grand of my own money into this new business venture. Like that's not a small amount of money, especially for most people. And so I want, what I want to do is I want to increase my odds of success as much as I possibly can. And that's the nice thing about businesses is that it's not necessarily an attrition rate in terms of like, if hundred people do it, 10 people will fail and you have no, or, or 90 people will fail, 10 will succeed. And you have no control over which one you are. That's, that's not how it works. You have the ability to control which part of that group you end up in. And uh, so if I want to end up in the group that's successful and beats the odds, which is already difficult to do um, just with the, the law of averages, then I know that I have to I have to outdo what most people are willing to do. I have to do I have to go meet the people 
that are that are crushing it on the next level. I have to go read the books in in the industry. I have to go learn the information. I have to join the masterminds. Like I got to do whatever I can possibly do to fill my head with information that I didn't previously have that's going to help me move the company forward and actually have it be successful. There's too many things out there that are going to try to prevent you from being successful. So if you're not proactively trying to put yourself in positions around people who can help you achieve that success, then it's going to be much, much more difficult. And like my question is always like, why? Why make it more difficult on yourself? You know what I mean? Like if you, if you can get it, if you can, if you can get advice from somebody, like, are you really that proud that you want to figure it out yourself? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Why, why would you not use a resource like a person who's been there, done that, walk the road already, knows where the potholes are and can give you the map to get around them? Like, why would you not take advantage of those things? And why would you not on purpose go try to formulate relationships that can help you navigate that world and navigate that road? Um, to me, it just, it doesn't make sense why, why you wouldn't do those things. Uh, but most people don't, man. Like they, 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 they get this idea that they're going to start this business or even if it's something small, like they're going to do a network marketing company, or they're going to get their insurance license or their real estate license or something like that. The attrition rate in those, all of those industries is ridiculously high because people don't understand what it takes to actually be successful there because they've never gotten around anybody who's successful. And they think that it's just going to be super easy. And uh, when you start getting around the people who are like the top 1% of real estate agents or the top 1% of network marketers, you start seeing like, oh, so I can't just like wake up at 11 a.m. every day and smoke weed and then play video games and expect money to hit my bank account tonight. Like that's not how it works. You have to put in the work that's going to separate the results. You know what I mean? Like you get the results based on the work that you put in. So you better put in more work than everybody else. You can get better results than everybody else, or else you're going to be one of the people, you're going to be one of the 90% instead of one of the 10%. And that's not a place that I want to be, especially if I'm going to take the risk to try to get there. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to, I'm going to go all in and try to figure it out as much as I can. Yeah, definitely. We have to be willing to pay the price. Yeah. All right. So this show focuses on digital monetization and, and you've been very successful in your monetization efforts. Uh, can you share with us maybe some ideas about the most effective ways to monetize a podcast? And then maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what are some of the best ways to monetize this software or this digital platform that you're building? Sure. So uh, monetizing content in general, really monetizing online and uh, having it be a lead in for your existing business, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm just a big fan of info products and selling knowledge, uh, because you don't have to be a crazy expert to be able to sell information to other people. You just have to be doing better than the person that you're selling the information to. Um, and, and so that's why, that's why you never see me like doing a bunch of business coaching and stuff like that, because I'm still a learning business person. I'm a learning entrepreneur. I'm a budding entrepreneur. Like I still am learning a bunch from all, like, I don't feel comfortable teaching what now I, I help my private coaching clients with the things that I know and the things that I'm good at. Uh, but that's why our whole course and coaching business is all about podcasting because that's something we've done well. And we know that we can teach that effectively. Uh, the, 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 the people, the people that give online, um, knowledge-based businesses, a bad name are the ones who are selling stuff that they have no business selling. Um, but they are a good marketer or they're a good salesperson so they can sell it. And then the fulfillment's terrible. And then that's how everybody gets called a scam artist. Like if you ever run a Facebook ad that like talks about a course that you built, you get people inevitably in the comments that are calling you a scam artist. And it's like, well, look, not every online educator is a scam artist. You know what I mean? It just, mm -hmm. some people give us a bad name because 
they sell stuff that they have no business selling and it doesn't work because they have no business selling it to begin with. And so um, in, in terms of monetizing the podcast, your knowledge is the first thing that you want to, that you want to monetize from your audience standpoint. But the way that we try to help most of our clients is uh, trying to think about a way to monetize their guest list through the current offers or products or services that they offer in their existing business. Um, and so, uh, you know, we had a, a real estate investor client who does multifamily syndications and he just raises money and then he'll go buy, you know, a hundred unit apartment complex or something like that with the money that he raises. And he raised, I think to date, he's coming up on $10 million that he's raised through his podcast and a guest facing monetization strategy. Um, we've had people make six figures in contracts. We have people make 500 bucks in a, or, or, you know, a couple hundred bucks in, in, in some of these strategies. Um, but the, the core of it is, do you have an offer and do you have an audience for that offer? Um, and that's really what it comes down to, especially if you're in a knowledge business, if you're trying to sell your expertise or sell information to other people online. Um, and if you don't have a knowledge business, I would ask myself if I were in your position, can I wrap some sort of knowledge into the other products and services that I already offer? So I had a buddy that owns a funding company, he helps businesses get funding. And, uh, and we were having the conversation, he was talking about some of his leads and they were just stale leads and they weren't converting very well. So we had a conversation where I was just like, look, man, you need to go one step earlier in the customer journey and help people along the knowledge path and then offer them the solution, which is funding. So instead of meeting people when they're like, oh, I need funding for my business, you should meet people where, hey, you should start a business. Oh, by the way, you're probably going to need some funding for that business. Let me help you out with that. And so teaching the information piece on the front end and then having your back end be the primary offer that you have in your business can be a great way to monetize uh, the, the brand online as well. Uh, so there, there's a couple of things on, on monetizing a podcast, monetizing audience facing, monetizing guest facing. Um, and, then, uh, and then with Guestio, the platform that we built, um, one cool thing is shows and guests have the ability to make a little bit of money on there. So um, it works kind of like cameo in that sense. So if you're, a, if you want to be a guest on podcast, you can go on there and create an account and then charge to be a guest on shows. You can, you can do it for free too. And we have a really large free marketplace of a bunch of free guests that you can book. Uh, but there are also a bunch of paid guests on there uh, that, that uh, will actually make a little bit of money when you book them as a guest. So you can do that on the guest side and we're working right now on the ability to do that on the show side as well, which should be up and running here in the next couple of weeks. What do you think are the biggest tectonic shifts that are transforming business today? I was going to say the obvious one would be, would be independent content creation um, and really just online virtual business in general. Um, uh, just where I, I think we're, I think we're seeing a transition away from, you know, those traditional media sources and the celebrity status that used to be attributed to people. We're finding that to be a much easier thing to accomplish now, which can help anybody from wherever they are in their living room become celebrity status to a certain group of people and create their tribe of super fans and build in a form of future proof and recession proof income for themselves, which is really cool uh, that, that you can do it. Like you can, you can have somebody that, you know, they run a, a freaking YouTube channel on, on how to put on makeup or something like that. And then they can sell different people's makeup lines to an audience of people that watches them on YouTube and make six or seven figure income on that, like that, that kind of stuff is incredible. 
uh, that uh, that we're kind of taking the power back. Like I'm I'm obsessed with the idea of decentralization right now, which I, which is happening in a multitude of fronts, and content is one of them. Um, you know what I mean? Like when 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 you have when you have YouTubers and uh, Insta famous people and TikTokers that are racking up more views than you know multi billion dollar media companies uh, who sp- spend a hundred million dollars on a movie and they get fewer views on that movie than somebody that's online that created a, a 20 minute video that like made its rounds to their 2 million subscribers. Like that kind of stuff is, is crazy to me. And I think it's really, really cool. Um, and, but decentralization is happening all over the place. And I think that's something that's going to continue to, to show its face, especially in, you know, stuff like currency and like with cryptocurrency and stuff, you know, decentralization is basically taking away the power from, from people and putting it to the hands of multiple people, like, you know, to where it's the people that are running the show instead of the, the power, the, the powers that be that are running the show. Um, and, uh, and I think that's why we have such polarizing elections and stuff like that nowadays, because I think that those traditional institutions are being threatened by the decentralization of attention, the decentralization yeah. of currency. Um, and, uh, and they're, they're, kind of trying to strike back in that sense. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a, that's a huge thing that, that we're seeing at the moment. It's almost like we're in the middle of a democratization of media where instead of the media being held by a few wealthy power brokers, it's now being spread out across, you know, thousands and thousands of these micro influencers. Right. And uh, the interesting thing is those micro influencers appear to be far more trusted than the mainstream media is. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, actually true. <laughs> like, that's not something that you just pulled out of nowhere. That's a real thing. That's why. That's why influencer marketing, especially micro niche influencer marketing, is is kind of on the up and up right now, uh, because the amount of trust that those people have in those influencers is is through the roof, especially comparatively to, you know, big time media companies, which are at an all time low with trust. Thank you so much, Travis, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, transitions are a part of our journey. We may fail, but if we keep moving forward, we will eventually find where we need to be. Number two, we need to continue to take action, even if we feel uncertain about where we want to go. We won't get anywhere if we do nothing. Number three, We should find people who are doing what we want to do at the highest level and learn from their example. Number four, we get results based on the work we put in. If we want to be successful, we need to put in more work than everybody else so we can get better results than everybody else. Number five, selling knowledge is a great starting point in monetizing a business such as a podcast. Number six, one of the biggest shifts in the market is independent content creation. If you enjoyed this interview, and want to learn more about Travis, you can connect with him on his LinkedIn profile, subscribe to his Build Your Network podcast, or visit his website, travischapel.com. And there's links to all of those sites on the blog post for this episode. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe to the free Monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. Number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Who are your mentors? What have you learned from them? 
please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your entrepreneurial journey. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.